Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Barely. Barely? Yeah, well, you, I, I was a little worried I was going to have to do the Open. But oh, I was going to have to do it by yeah, myself? Yeah, well, no, no with the, well, that too, but the coughing fit. Uh, oh. For a minute, you recovered very well. I did. Yes. Uh, I had a little coughing fit before we went on the air. True profession. I haven't learned how to swallow water yet, apparently. <laughs> but as I well, learned. <laughs> look at it this way. You don't have the hiccups. No, no. So don't don't jinx me. <laughs> um, and, and you almost did not make it back here. You were down at Sixers practice doing yep. some interviews. Uh-huh. Um, how'd it go down there? Everybody looks happy. Big win last night. I- I'll tell you, Brett Brown looks happier and more effusive than i've seen him you like the beard yeah well today he had the ski cap on too so he looked like he was going lobstering like right right after practice keith are you enjoying we have keith pompey joining us on the line he saw him philadelphia inquire are you enjoying jeff's description of brett brown's style today at the interview for practice I don't know what Jeff's talking about. <laughs> oh, get out. I saw you <laughs> talking to him. <laughs> I'm just joking. Nah, All right. Yeah, he, he, yeah, it was funny. A lot of people were like, like when we were talking to him, I don't know if you uh, saw it, Jeff, but J, um, JJ Reddick came over and said, what is Brett doing? Why does he have that hat on? <laughs> I, I love it when the players don't know what the coach is doing. It's a new style. All right, Keith. Jeff was down there last night as a fan. He was very excited. He was texting me throughout the game in fact uh, i made him miss some important runs um what did you see last night obviously we'll go back to the boston game what do you what do we think after week one so far at the start of the season well i mean what, what did i think after the game the boston i mean you know here's the thing like you really can't get anything out of this game i mean because you know, it, it's kind of like how the Sixers used to be. Like, you know, they were a struggling ball club. They had people injured. And, you know, they were playing a team that <laughs> that that they couldn't beat. I'm, I'm talking about uh, Chicago. So the Sixers, like, they just had the best players on the floor, and they were able to do whatever they wanted to do against them, and they just wore them down. So, you know, I didn't get anything out of that game. You know, I, I think we won't really know anything about the Sixers um, again until they play, uh, uh, what, Detroit on, on Tuesday. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, you, you can't really take much away from the opponents. I mean, it's Jeff and I were joking. It didn't look there was much defense going on, and nobody seemed to miss a shot early in the game last night. It, the first quarter was like an all-star game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what it was. It was, it was yeah, it, it was. It, but in, and the thing is, though, I mean, if you think about it, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons were by far the best two players on the team. And you can make an argument that if J.J. Redick wasn't number three, he was at least number four, you know. So it was like, it was like, okay, let's just go through the emotions, let's get some stats, and we're going to wear them down and we're going to win this game. Believe me, Markel Folks would not have played as many minutes if they were playing the Detroit Pistons or the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. Right. You know, it was just an easy game for them to do whatever they wanted to do. Well, we'll go right there since you said the magic word, Markel Fultz. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw game one and two, and also the fan reaction last night to what we saw from Markel Fultz. <laughs> you know, I'm not surprised by the fan reaction, and the reason being is because, like, last year, you know they were they were doing the same thing, 
you know, for Markel. Um, the one thing that I will say is that, you know, Markel, it's funny, like, whenever you interview Markel, he says all the right things. Like, he said, oh, no, I wasn't scared. I knew I was going to take that shot. I wasn't nervous. Nah, dude, you were a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? You you, you saw it. And the thing is, it's like, you know, he made the shot. He made one. You know, he, he scored a lot of points in the fourth quarter. Um, but early on, it just like he just looked like someone who was, I'm not going to say disinterested, but he was scared to, to fail. Like he didn't want to make that shot. And, you know, it seems that the guy, like the people who were defending him, they were like standing 14 feet away from him, you know. So, you know, again, I, I think that that game was all about confidence. You know, let's just like try to build Markel's confidence and, uh, and 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 move on from there. But you know, I don't think that. I mean, excuse me. Like, if you watched the game and you saw when Markel came out of the game and you saw how crispy the offense was, you know, to me, it's hard justifying justifying playing them as many minutes as they did. You know, moving forward. Well, I, I thought what was interesting was what Brett Brown was talking about when saying that that they're all kind of adjusting to Markel, that they're all kind of working around him. It, it, it seems to me that what we should be doing is he should be fitting into the offense and defense as opposed to the in, the rest of the team adjusting. Ben moving to the four. I thought it was interesting that, that Brett basically acknowledged that he had to talk Ben into playing a little bit more of the four. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, I, I get it too, but it's so early. I mean, it's so early. Like, you know, if uh, believe me, they they'll have a problem. <laughs> I mean, it sounds good now, but let's just say a month from now, and if Ben Simmons is still playing the four and is taken away from his flow, they'll have a problem. You know what I mean? Like. I think, and see, the, the thing is, like, before pregame, you know, Brett Brown came out and said, you know what, I have no timeline for how long Markel was going to, like, be in the starting lineup. When I realized that it's not right, you know, I am I'm, I'm going to go away from it, right? Well, when it's not right is when they start playing teams that they feel like can really beat them. And, and when, they, when they find out that, hey, you know what? We were the top. We were the top team in the East or number two in the East. And right now, Milwaukee and Indiana is ahead of us. And then they understand that, like, you know what? JJ Redick has to be in this lineup. You know what? Um, Landry Shamet is the second. Um, you know, is the best guard coming off the bench. Just you know, as a scorer. And we need uh, TJ McConnell. So I get what Brett's saying, but believe me. You know, right now is not the time for the guys to argue. I mean, they feel like they can win these games. And I, I honestly believe that, you know, if it was, you know, they, they were playing some powerhouse teams that Ben Simmons wouldn't be as accommodating. So if he doesn't have a time frame, what's he looking for? Is it just trying to get him experience now so he can hopefully have him later that at some point he'll just say, okay, I've given him enough, this isn't working, and I'm going to switch it? What What's the goal right now if, if it's not to actually get him to play that position in the long term, be the starter? You know, I mean, here's the thing. The one thing is, so here's a guy who 
was the first overall pick. You know, we all know that. And, you know, you have to give these guys some, some minutes. And what happens is as the coach, you know, you'll say, hey, look, I played him. Yeah, I, I gave him every shot in the world to prove what he could do. You know, it's not my fault that he can't do it. And then next thing you know, Markel Fultz is out of the starting lineup. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, you, you're, you're doing your due diligence. Like, like, you know, they feel like, you know, at this particular time, the team is trying to get an identity. They're going to do everything in their power, you know, to, to get guys in their groove. But once it starts getting serious, unless, you know, Markel can play at a high level, you know, he's going to be out. Of, I'm not going to say he's going to be out of the rotation, but he's not going to be the focal point. I, you know, so I, I think that's what it's all about. I know it's early and they do have some injuries, but is this team better than last year's team, in your opinion? You know, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, but I also think that, you know, is, <laughs> you know, the Boston. I think Boston is is a really good team. You know, a very good team. And you know, some people may say the Sixers were undermanned a little bit, but I honestly believe when we see the Sixers go up against that back to back against um, uh, Detroit and Milwaukee. I think that's going to answer all our questions because, again, it's easy to look good against a team that's not any good, talking about, um, you know, uh, the Chicago Bulls and and then tomorrow against um, Orlando. But when you have to go up and you have to play, um, you know, uh, Detroit and, and, and play Milwaukee, you know, then we'll see, is, is Joel Embiid going to continue to be content, um, you know, playing down low, or, or, is, or, or is he going to try to shoot threes again? You know, what is Ben Simmons going to do when he has to go to the foul line? You know, how long will Brett, you know, keep Markell in the game? You know, so to me, that's when we'll get the questions. But, if, but right now, I think that they don't have anyone – who can match what Ersan Ilovasova gave? Now, some people may say, "Yeah, we got Mike Muscala. He's he's going to be great for us." But he, he maybe, but but I think Ersan gave him so much, and they don't have that. I mean, well, people fell. Huh? Go ahead. I'm sorry. But, but he, and I agree with you. See, I I, I don't think the sky is falling. I think I think the team is good. First of all, I think Ben Simmons is already better. We have optimistic um, Jeff in yeah, studio right. today. But but what mm-hmm. I'm the the thing that does concern me is less about Markel Fultz because I think that they have a backup plan with with McConnell. You do? I do. Okay. Uh, but but what I'm what I'm most concerned about is the lack of depth at center. Because what I saw yesterday was Joel Embiid and then Amir Johnson come in and kind of get cooked on my, defense. My favorite player, Amir yeah. Johnson. Yeah, uh, well, uh, no, it it that worries me because he's an older player too. So when he like yesterday, he got in foul trouble. He had four fouls in the third quarter. There's no other center on the team in, until Muscala gets back, and I, I don't really consider. I mean, he's only 220 pounds. I think it's not like he's a big force in the middle. And Ilyasova was able to handle that. Do you think that they're going to go out? And get somebody to deal with that because not only do you have to worry about injury, but you have to worry about Joel's minutes as the season goes on. 
I mean, probably, but I, I think a lot of it has to do, in their opinion, is like, you know, they think that they're going to try to keep Embiid on the floor a lot. You know, I, I think they, you know, they look at Muscala and they, they think that he can help them a little bit. Um, you know, and, and let, let's be honest, like, you know, they, they, they tried to go out and get the, uh, the guy from, um, you know, from Minnesota who basically backed away from him. So, I mean, they thought they had something. They thought they had a plan, and it just worked out. They just had a bad offseason, a bad summer. Now, they'll probably try to go out and get them, but here's the thing. It's like, you know, it's going to be hard for them because, you know, the price is going to have to be right, and it's going to have to be someone in an expiring contract because they don't want to be tied up long term. All right. So, you know what I mean? It's going to be tough for the Sixers. And me personally, I'm looking at it like, yeah, the Sixers want to go do do well in the playoffs, and Brett says they want to go to the finals. But they're really banking on next season. They're banking on next summer, oh, Keith, you know, and, and, and doing things. You're killing me. Huh? I hear that every year. Well, I'm trying not to be a fan here. I'm trying to be, you know, impartial about this, but I've I feel like I heard that last year. They're playing no. for this summer. Don't They're worry, Keith, for... Keith is a hard grader. No, I know oh. Keith is, and I know that, <laughs> and I know that Keith isn't the guy who does that. Who ta- who does the? But and I know that he's right. saying what the team says, but you know, with the fan in me, he's going really next year. <laughs> Look, this is going to be an exciting season. But Keith, you skipped tomorrow night's game. You say that the, that we won't learn anything from tomorrow. Well, they got two seven footers. They have Bamba who I understand is a rookie, and they have Vucevic. So I think, don't you think that's going to tell us a little bit about the team, at least as far as the front court goes? Nope. <laughs> All right. I love your honesty. <laughs> because, I mean, Well, thanks for thing. coming. <laughs> I, mean, no, I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, you know, um, the, 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 I mean, the Sixers, you know, as, as much as we – you know, as much as we, you know, we talk about the two seven-footers, you know, this is a league now where you have mobile big. And, you know, Mo Bamba is a, is a shot blocker. I give him that. You know, but Vucevic isn't exactly a guy that's coming down shooting threes. You know, and a guy like Vucevic, you know, he's the type of guy that where, you know, you can have Dario, see, you know, you can have Dario Sarge playing, and he won't get in trouble because the guy isn't, you know, he could play the five and he won't get in trouble because Goose isn't quick. You know, he isn't athletic. He isn't, you know, mobile. Where the Sixers have problems will will be against a guy who, let's face it, is, you know, more athletic than Dario. And then that's when you got to take Dario out and you possibly got to put a Ben Simmons in there. You know what I mean? And then you look at the you look at Orlando's guards, you know, who who do you think can stop Reddick? Who who's gonna stop Ben Simmons? Well is Reddick gonna you be on the I mean? court or is Fultz gonna be on the court? I mean that's the I mean, you know, I mean Fultz I think Folks is, is gonna be yeah, Folks will be on there, but the whole thing with Folks is I think that he got more minutes than what, you know, the the Sixers are gonna give him typically. And he may get him again, you know, against this team, but you know, here's the thing with folks. Folks goes in and he starts the first five minutes. They take him out, they bring in Reddick, and then, you know, when they go to the small lineup, you know, he's out there in the first half. 
But then typically in the second half, Reddick starts, then Landry Shamet comes in, then T.J. McConnell comes in, and then it's folks. You know what I mean? And it, it's kind of like, you know, he'll start because they want to bring his confidence up, but he's not finishing. No, you know? but it's two so, games. Yeah, and so it's obviously early. What's the, the health of some of the players coming back, uh, Chandler and Muscala? When can we expect to see them back on the court? I mean, Brett said in two weeks, a couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, Wilson Chandler wants to come back um, next Saturday, and Mike Muscala wants to be back this week. Well, as long as they're healthy. <laughs> I, I just don't – I wouldn't want to bring them back early. I mean, that – that's always a problem. That that just leads to problems down the road. I think they they'll be fine without them for a couple of weeks. We need them in the long run because I think the, right now the bench is a little bit light as far as experience. Keith, you have any concerns about the depth of this team going forward? I mean, obviously they'll have a little more depth and they'll develop their rotation. But you know, we've talked about not too much at the center position back up. Uh, any, any concerns about how deep this team is on the bench? Obviously, some of the players that played key roles aren't here now. No, I, I think they'll be. I mean, well, I mean, if you want to ask me if this team was better than last year in regards to depth, is it, I would say no. But at the same time, you know, I, I think that, you know, who you got? You got TJ McConnell, Landry Shamet, um, you, you, you have uh, – and the two guys we talked about, you know, Muscala and Wilson Chandler, the Sixers want to go nine deep. That's the nine right there. And if you look at them, you look at Wilson Chandler and you look at Mike Muscala, they're basically interchangeable. You know, and, and then if you want to add Markel Folks and, and J.J. Reddick, you know, the flip-flopping right then and there, that's what, ten deep. So I'm not, I'm not really concerned with that. The thing is with the Sixers, if you think about it, is this is the beauty of having Ben Simmons. You know, Ben Simmons is kind of like a up pace, you know, a, a, a fast guy who likes to get out and run. So, you know, when you have a Mike Muscala and a Winston, Wilson Chandler, you don't need a back to the basket type of a type of center. You know what I mean? And then if you look at Embiid, you know what they do is. They like running, but then there's a couple of times where they run sets for him where his where they just feed him the ball a little post. So I wouldn't be concerned with the lack of traditional type center or the fact that they only go nine deep. I mean, I think that they are deep enough. They just don't have the shooters that they had last year. Well, for our listeners who want to follow your work, they can follow you on Twitter at Pompeii on Sixers. Read you in the paper, read you online. Keith, we always love having you come on and break it down with us. Thanks for giving us a little time today. Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas. Take, take it easy, man. All right, Jeff. Do you feel better after that interview? No, I think I think he, well, you're I don't optimistic feel, I don't feel today. Worried. Well, I, I what I see is. The players that are their stars getting better, okay? So not every year are you going to build the roster better and better. I think there's still a couple pieces that they can definitely improve on. But watching Ben – I was a skeptic of Ben Simmons. And, you know, nobody talked about his defense when they drafted him. In fact, people were kind of worried about his defense. He's an incredible defender. I mean, it, it – 
watching him out there, how disruptive he is, and then going down the court and how smooth he controls the offense and how the way that he moves, it's it's a it, it's a pleasure to watch a player that good. And if he develops a jump shot, he he could be the one of the best basketball players in the world. I mean, he's already I close think the, to that. I think the frustration is that in my mind, and it's not Fultz's fault. I watched Tatum, mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, they're always going to be linked. It's it's uh, it makes it harder to watch Fultz mm-hmm. because it's not just that you don't have what you thought you did. It's what Boston has and what they're going to get with your pick. And I, I have a really hard time swallowing that still. Well, well, Tatum, it's harder <laughs> because Tatum has developed quicker than Fultz has. Yeah. I mean, he, he well, is, he's been on the court. Yes. <laughs> but, but when he is on the court, he does amazing things. And so, so there's those two will always be linked. Colangelo's not here anymore. So there's nothing we could do about the situation except, hope that this works out for Fultz. The talent is there. The question is, does it come out? And I think it comes out the more he's on the court and acts instinctually instead of thinking about it because when he has that split second to think, when he's open and the, he's got to catch and shoot. And if he if he catches and thinks and then he's not going to shoot or it's not going in. He hesitates. Yes. So yeah. you can see there's still that pause there. And it, I, I have to say – Having grown up in northern New Jersey, in the New York area, and then having moved here 25 years ago, there was and, and lived all over the country. It, it is amazing to me th- that the Philly fan is always <laughs> perceived as negative. And watching and having been there last night and hearing people cheer the way they did for Markel Fultz, there was no sarcasm in it. I, you know, people have said that to me is. Uh, Oh, come on. No, it, was it wasn't a sarcastic there, cheer. It was a real, like, it, we want you to succeed cheer. It, it is, but it and and it shows you how intelligent that most of the Philadelphia fans are, that they realize that you getting on somebody doesn't always work. It works for some people. Uh, my fear I'd is... I'd have gone for a neutral reaction. I don't need all the my, cheering every no, time we touch I, I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> Does that I mean, make that, me the heartless guy on the no, show No, but that, 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 that place is usually loud for basketball. It was exceptionally loud for this game, and when he made that three-pointer, I believe I texted you. We just won the title <laughs> because I had, I have, I mean, I've been to the Phillies game when they won the World Series. I've been to other championships. I've never seen anything like this. He made a basket, and it reminded me of back in my college days when the when the walk-on got on after four years. And when this he is touched the, the ball, one pick in the draft, I, know. I laugh so as not to cry. I, no, and for our it, listeners who think you were joking, Jeff actually did text me about that as soon as it happened. Yeah, it, 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 it's like that walk-on finally gets on in his senior year in the last game of the year, and everybody when he gets the ball cheers because they want him to make that one basket. This is the number one pick in the draft. It, this should be routine. That you he's should be able these, to dribble and shoot. Right. Okay. And, and I think. Uh, Look, it's it's gonna. Hopefully, it works because otherwise, people are gonna turn. Hopefully, it works because if not, it's a disaster. No, I see. I don't think it's a disaster because oh, I, I think the Sixers have have, have a I backup you, for this. I think you gave Boston something for years, and uh, you are forget, set back by forget not Boston. Having it. But you can't. No, well, you can't look at the Sixers in a vacuum because they're going to have to go look through Boston we're not, to get to the West. Okay, but uh, we're, that's to get to the finals right now. I'm telling you that with regard to if you're just looking at Sixers development. 
you have a point, another point guard that people are desperately want. Apparently, Phoenix was trying to get T.J. McConnell just a couple weeks ago. So it's not like there's not somebody there. Yes. Okay? So the, it, it's not, um, air quoting it, a disaster. It, it's a project that watching – Brett Brown is not an idiot. He, know, he knows basketball no, really well. And, and he, having seen him today, uh, uh, so there's something about the way he seemed – there was nothing phony about it. He seemed genuinely enthusiastic and about what he's doing. And that was your reaction that you said to me, that he was very optimistic about right. it. And look, he should be after... So he must be seeing something, because last year there were times he was asked about it towards the end of the season. He wasn't particularly... He, he could get surly at times. He didn't seem that way today. He seems to understand the process, and I think that he's... I know he used process but <laughs> <laughs> trademarked he, copyrighted he, he seems to have the he seems to be the mad genius who has a plan and i think he knows at least in his mind it's going to work so if we get halfway through the season and markel Fultz is still pausing in the corners when he's got wide open shots then i'd worry i would not worry after two games i'm not reacting in the least it's okay a few minutes before we hit the break uh because we only have a few minutes before break mm-hmm. i figured we go through the flyers because it really won't take longer than a few minutes so sure. for our listeners each week jeff and i prepare for the show by creating a document and putting in the extensive points that we want to make to make us sound smart and then and we throw it all out because stuff happens on fridays so this like is us. the extensive summary breakdown of the flyers that <laughs> jeff has provided this week goalies are awful defense is awful offense is good enough said Jeff, would you like to expand on your description of the <laughs> no. Flyers so far this season? The, 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 <laughs> the, the Flyers, uh, they need a goalie other uh, than the two they got on here. I, I don't need Jean-Luc Picard did anymore. you see the picture that I posted last night? No. They had the defenseman behind the goalie. The goalie was like coming out for the puck, and the yeah. defenseman was actually in the goal. It's just like Maybe they should do that now. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they should just pull the, the goalie Flyers and have goal sex. The Flyers situation in one picture. Maybe, maybe you know, look, we're probably going to talk in a little bit about how much I hate the, the opener in hockey, in baseball. Maybe the answer is the Flyers should be innovative and pull the goalie for the whole game. No, let's be serious for a second. I'm um, okay. serious. Is it is it is the problem goaltending or is the problem defense? It's both. I know it's both, but the defense it, it's, is it's hanging that the side goal- of the ice. The defense is hanging <laughs> the goalies out to dry regularly. They brought Andrew McDonald back too soon. Yes, they they've got they're making mistakes and giving away the puck. I mean, look, I'll blame the goalie all the time anyway, uh-huh. but. They are putting them in positions where they have no shot. At okay, some of so these. let me ask you a question because this goes to something you said last week. So, do you want the Carter Hart brought up in this situation? No, not behind no. this defense. Exactly. So, no, so th- because I mean, you got to be a miracle worker to stop mm-hmm. some nights. What's going on back there? You know, it's amazing. The number one line has two very talented players, but for some reason, they don't they don't gel. Like Gostaspier and and Pro, Proveroff do not work as a Unit. I don't think and in I the long run that they're going to be on the line together. It oh, just, I don't think they're going to be on the line together by the end of the month. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's it's working. The, the way offense want. doesn't worry me, but the fact I believe that the Flyers have given up the first goal in every game this season. That doesn't surprise me because I think the first six games they gave up the first goal last night. I believe so. So so that they had already set a team record for most most goals, most first goals given up. If you get behind, and they're usually very early in the game, if you get behind early, it changes the entire game. And and the goalies are not doing their job. They're, some of them are sloppy goals. 
and the defensemen are turning the puck over in their own zone. That's the part a that lot, and that's right. I know that's the part that it, it, there's no there's no there's no acceptable reason for that because to me that's mental errors, and mental errors are not acceptable in professional sports. That's like in baseball when we talk about it. You know, you can forgive a lot of things for effort, but mm-hmm. you can't you can't forgive those mental mistakes that are just the basic things that you need to do. Yep, the giveaways in front of your own net, the giveaways behind the goal, the the sloppy play. It's so just, back to point four. Enough said. Enough said. Yeah, so so we'll take a little break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more basketball because we had a chance to talk to Shake Milton a couple hours ago. That's right. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at one 888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. Jeff, as I continue to talk and cough, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about what you saw down at Sixers practice today? Uh, I saw people working hard. I, I saw that the the guys who don't get to play a lot and won't get to play a lot unless there's injuries, I think there's a lot of promise in the 10 through 15, actually 10 through 17 if you count the two two-way players, which are Demetrius Jackson and Shake Milton. Shake was out there way towards the end just just taking shots he looks good and for he our really listeners does, who aren't familiar practice. shake milton played at his college ball at smu he was recruited by larry brown mm-hmm. to play which uh you got some time to talk to shake a little bit while you were down at practice got to ask him a little bit about his experience in the league what'd you think before we play the interview jeff i i think he's a smart guy i think he's a hard worker and i think that uh people should make sure that they get down to the blue coats um to see him all right, well, here, here's our interview with Shake, and, and we'll get going with that. We're here with Shake Melton at the Sixers Training Complex. Shake, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. So, Shake, you grew up in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Okay, so what was it like to grow up there playing basketball? Um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's a, kind of a smaller community, not really a big city, but, you know, you build really good relationships with people around there, and, um, you know, they show a lot of support, so I'm just grateful to be from there. And, and, and when you were there, uh, how did you get into basketball? Um, with my dad, I was in basketball before I even, you know, knew. I was probably four years old when I first picked up a basketball. So basketball has always been a part of my life, a huge part of my life, and uh, a, you know, a real blessing for me. So when you were in high school, you had a chance to go to places like Indiana and Oklahoma, and you chose SMU. How did you make that decision? Um, I think it really came down to the relationship I had built with Larry Brown and um, KT Turner down there. Um, you know, Chris and KT. Um, 
our family and his family's uh, background situation, his upbringing is kind of similar to mine, so it made it easy to connect. And, um, you know, when it just got down to it, I knew that they would take care of me at the end of the day, so I knew that was where I needed to be. Larry Brown left, though. Mm -hmm. So what was that like for you when you... you what, what's the process? You know, players often commit to coaches more than school. Yeah. And so Larry Brown decides to leave. What made you decide that you wanted to stay at SMU? Um, I think it's just uh, the fact that I trusted the coaching staff there. Um, you know, Tim Jankovic, he was the head coach while Coach Brown was uh, suspended for a couple games anyway. So it wasn't like it was a new guy from, you know, a different school or bringing in different principals and stuff like that. For the most part, the principals were kind of the same. So it made it an easy transition for me. And I think that was the biggest factor. And then plus, you know, I had grown close with my teammates and I knew that you know, I wanted to stick it out with them. So when you're at SMU, I got to see you a couple times. One of those times was in New York playing against uh, Michigan. Mm -hmm. What was it like to play in New York City? Uh, Madison Square Garden, that was crazy. You know, that was my first, one of my, I think that was my first NBA arena I've ever played in. So it was a, a big deal for me, a big step, uh, bright lights. You know, I was it was a lot of fun to, you know, just be in the atmosphere. So last night you got to see opening night. In the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. What was that experience like? It was crazy. It was crazy. It was my second NBA game, you know, just being a part of it and um, just seeing the fans, how passionate they were about the team. And um, it was crazy. It was a, a really good experience. I can't wait to get out there. Did you Did you expect it to be that loud and that crazy when you got there? No, nah, I really had no idea what to expect. What does it hold, like 20,000? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Man. It was crazy. All whited out in those white T-shirts. It was, it was crazy. Did, did the players talk to you, the veterans talk to you about what it was going to be like to play in that game in case you got in? Uh, uh, not too much. Um, you know, you just got those, those, those uh, you know, game jitters and stuff like that, just a little nervous. But when the ball is tipped in the air and, you know, you get up and down the court, you know, you feel fine after that. It's just basketball. You had a chance to play against one of your, t your current teammates when he was in college, Landry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it like to go to Wichita State and take them down for only the second time in 69 meetings? Yeah, that was a crazy, crazy atmosphere. The fans were, you know, really passionate about Wichita State basketball, too. So going in there and being able to compete against some of the best players, you know, it was a lot of fun. And we got the dub, too, so I was happy. Well, I was going to say, not yeah. only did you get the W, I believe you had 33 points yeah. in that game. Yeah, yeah, I just got hot. The basket got big for me, and, you know, everything started to fall in. Do you, do you ever talk to Landry about it? Nah. We no? <laughs> we moved on. On to bigger and better things. Yeah. Have you talked about it at all? Uh, slightly. The only time yeah. we talk about it is whenever people bring it up in interviews, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it like to play at Wichita State? I hear that's a great arena. Yeah, it was cool. The fans were they're wild, um, very passionate about them, about their team or whatever. So um, it was a lot of fun. The atmosphere was crazy. What's it been like um, practicing this summer with, with Joel and Ben and, and all the veterans that have been here? Yeah, it's been good to just kind of learn what the NBA game is like, uh, get adjusted to the phys physicality of it. You know, you learn what you need to do and how to prepare to be better for the NBA season. So it was a lot of fun. In addition to uh, preparing, you're now going to be one of the two two-way players mm -hmm. for the Sixers. What what has been the benefit to you of being a two-way player, and what have they told you how to expect and how to how to, how to deal with going back and forth? Uh, well, the people I've talked to, you know, they just expect be prepared for a lot of ups and downs. Just you know, just try to be consistent in your work, and um, everything will start to pay off. But you know, being with the team, you get to get that, that that NBA experience and be a part of the practices and the culture, and then you know get down to the G League, you know, you get more, more, um, you know, burn and um, 
more tick and you know you just get to play a little bit more so it's just you know being prepared is, is the most important key did you talk to Perkin about his experience with it last year I haven't no you got to make sure you get those frequent flyers right yeah the frequent train miles yeah, in back and forth exactly I need that <laughs> so have you have you uh, gotten to take a look at the uh, renderings for the new facility the field house I haven't well? I haven't been out there though I haven't been out there yet yeah. um, I heard it was supposed to be crazy and it's supposed to model uh, the Sixers facility as yeah. well so um, I think it'll be really huge for us so people have people told me that you're you're kind of a thinking man's basketball player how did you get that reputation a thinking man's basketball player uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know uh, I don't know I guess you know I'm not probably the quickest guy or the most athletic guy but um, just try to be cerebral know the game know how players move um, know angles and spots that guys got to be in and um, just kind of thinking the game through a different way um, you know just really helps me uh, make an impact on the defense uh, being at the Wells Fargo Center, uh, ha- have they talked to you at all about uh, what it's like to play there? Uh, no, they haven't talked to me about that at all. But, you know, I've just been experiencing those preseason games and then the home game last night. Um, I think, you know, you'll be nervous. But once, you know, the ball gets tipped in there and you run up and down the court one time, you'll be all right. It's just basketball. Did, did uh, Joel have that speech prepared yesterday? Um, what speech? The speech before the game? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. He does a good job of getting the team going. So. All right. Well, make sure you stay away from that fire coming out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks a lot for your time, Shake. I really appreciate it. Take care. Look at you with the PSA telling him to stay away from the fire cannon. Those things are hot. You got to make sure that we watch out for our draft picks. Yes. His college career was something that got a lot of attention. What's your thoughts after talking to him down there today? And by the way, I love uh, the sound of basketball and sneakers on the court in the background from practice. Yeah, well, it's practice. You were talking about practice, right? Yep. Yeah. No, so I, I, I think it's going to be a lot. Of, just like, you know, the same thing we preached with with minor league baseball, it's now becoming like that for, for basketball. And I think that watching these guys develop is going to be a lot of fun for people. And I think that there'll be more of an interest in them as they become pros because of it. I'm excited to see what the G League does as they go forward. They've actually they announced some news this week, too. You, your thoughts on their select contracts deal for elite prospects where they'll be able to make $125,000 a year who are at least 18 years old but not eligible for the draft yet. I, I don't think it's like people sit there and go this is the beginning of the end for college basketball. I don't I don't think it's going to have that kind of impact cuz I think I think this is going to be a limited number of people. It's going to be some that either can't can't get into schools or don't aren't interested in getting into schools or those that that might have financial reasons for doing it, but I think people are going to those those people, those players, are don't want to be in school anyway. So why make them be in school? Not everybody is 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 okay with just going to college. Lots of people don't go to college, so they should have the same opportunities to make a living in what they believe they're good at as as we do. Something to watch. Seven of the top ten high school prospects in the 2019 top 100 remain uncommitted. Yeah, and you know who it's it's only going to hurt certain schools like Kentucky that go for a lot of the one and dones. I don't think it's going to hurt a lot of schools because You're like excited as a Michigan guy cuz Beeline doesn't go for those types of players. So you it no, gives I, team I, like you an advantage. I think I think a guy like Beeline, a guy like Jay Wright, um 
they they want people who want to be well-rounded and go to school and I, I think that it'll be good for some people I, I what I hope happens similar to what happens like when you get drafted in the NFL I hope that there is a a system in place for these guys to realize that when they get $125,000, $125,000 is a lot to a lot of yeah, us. Yeah, I hope they have financial advisors exactly. and people to the, help them the, really the, start. That's what I think people, I think that those players need to realize that no matter what their background is, is that $125,000 does not go as far as they think it's going to go. And that when they're hanging around with guys that are millionaires, they can't spend like that. They got to they gotta work towards it. It does seem like basketball's moving away from the one and done, though. Yeah, well, the one and done. <coughs> did anybody think the one and done was a real solution? That, college, that's what I didn't. College basketball because they benefited, because they benefited from having these star players in their league to market at March Madness every year. It's, it, yeah, but I don't. I don't think it. See, I don't think in college basketball players. It's not as identifiable as one player. It's a school, right? Tell me who LSU would have marketed the year that Ben Simmons was there when they didn't even make the tourney. No, it makes them okay. So I mean, that's the thing they get. They get players, but they get players to sell all season long, and that's the that's what the talent. So what was it? So so for you're using LSU as an example. What did what did it get LSU? Got him a lot of headlines and notoriety for the okay. school. Okay, do you think it made? Do you, do you think that that changed the course of their? I basketball think it doesn't program? hurt for recruiting Shaquille to be able. O'Neal to, was there. I before. think it doesn't hurt to be able to walk in and say, "I recruited Ben Simmons now to a player." Okay, well, as Ben's, he becomes a star in this league, to be able to say that you got that guy, which those coaches aren't going to be able to do now. Right, they're going to be able to use it as their pitch for the next star because that star didn't come into the league. I think so, it changes things. So guess what? As a coach, now you have to show that you were able to teach as opposed to just they'll, be able to they'll recruit. Get, they'll get back to coaching. All right, let's right. move to some football, Jeff. Uh, Eagles are now 3-3. Three and three. Mm-hmm. Um, How should I feel going into this week's game against Carolina after a win over the Giants? How should you feel? Yes, help what me. I'm going to lay down on the couch. Yeah. I'm going to talk to my therapist. <laughs> uh, Dr. Jeff. How should I feel going into this Sunday about Are the Eagles playing Carolina? Are you talking about just this game, or do you want your feelings for the rest of the season? Just this game right now. Okay. I think that they're going to be fine against Carolina. They're at home. Carolina's 0-2 on the road. Carolina's but, lost four games in a row on the road dating back to last year. Yeah, well, I, had, I never worry about the year before because teams change. There's different players on the team. This year, they're 0-2. They haven't looked good on the road. Greg Olson is, at a minimum, banged up. He's questionable. If he's not there... They virtually have nobody for Cam Newton to throw to other than Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield it, and Devin Funches. They've got one pass play over 40 yards this season. Right. Their offense is ranked 28th in the league. Mm-hmm. It's Maybe they need Derek Anderson back. Oh, that's <laughs> right. He's on the Bills now. It is a game, uh, mm-hmm. if you look at the strengths of each team, Carolina's got the 10th rated rushing de- rushing uh, game in the league with, right. with McCaffrey. Uh-huh. Going to have to watch out for him coming out of the backfield as and well. Samuel. Screen passes. Uh, Eagles defense gives up an average of 79.8 yards a game on the ground. Can they contain McCaffrey? Can they contain Newton in the pocket? Because 
you know, if you if you watch a lot of the video on Newton, when he doesn't set his feet, when he doesn't get comfortable in the pocket, he will make some errant throws that you can pick off. That happened within the Giants game. Right, because he's overconfident with how strong his arm is. Well, and, not and only that's is always he, a bad he, thing. Yeah, he's overconfident, and he he thinks that he can make it when he just doesn't have the the setup to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Eagles are still depleted at running back. Uh, Darren Sproles not, not there. according to Clement. They're yeah. not. So you don't like this. Okay, for our listeners, Corey Clement apparently went to Howie Roseman and said, we all we got, we all we need at running back. He He's good with what's there, and he wants the rock. Jeff, you are uh, you don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree he should be going. First of all, I don't think he should be going to the general manager. He should be going to the coach and saying he wants the rock more. That's fine with me. Going so to your the general manager and said, please don't try to improve the team is essentially what he's saying. Or the flip side, okay. I believe that the team is good enough with me as the running back. A team is never good enough. How's that? Uh, Corey wouldn't agree with you there. No, <laughs> I, I agree that no matter what you are doing in life, you can always improve. If, if Corey Clement's going to sit there and go to Howie Roseman saying, hey, we're good. We're good enough to win to the Super Bowl. We're good enough to win the Super Bowl right now. You're not. Okay? So right now, they need improvements. It, it is clear that this team is not as good as they are last year. Would you agree? I don't think they are right now. They're not playing as good okay. as they are last year. And are there running backs in the NFL that are better than Corey Clement? Would you rather have LaShawn McCoy or would you rather have Corey Clement? At right what, now. At what price? Apparently Buffalo wants a second-round pick. I'm not giving up a second-round pick for LaShawn McCoy. Really? No. A second-round pick? No, because I don't think he's your long-term solution, so okay. I'm not giving it up. It's the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. If they're not going to be here in the long uh, run, I'm not giving that y- pick you up. You know what I see here? I see a complacent Eagle fan right here who's, sa- who's saying, I want no, my Super No, I'd Bowl. like them to make a move, right. but I don't want them to sacrifice the next couple of years to get somebody who's okay, not going to so be here. Okay, so what happens if they drop it to a third-round pick in 2021? Will you do it? Yeah, but I'd like to make it a conditional third-round pick because if he doesn't come in and play, then I don't want to have to give a third-round pick. I'd like to make it third conditional fourth. Okay, but fine. I don't think Buffalo's taking that. They haven't wanted to so far, and therefore, yeah. what do you do? It's not complacency. I'd like to see them get another back. I think they're short, and Clement Clement gets injured. Smallwood fumbles the ball. Right. I don't have Sproles complete is faith not gonna be healthy. right now in what's back there, but the mm-hmm. question is, if I'm looking for, for weapons, right. I would rather another some person in the secondary. I, I mean, that's just where I'm looking at. You have no running game right now. You, if you don't have anybody who can cover the receiver, you don't you don't stop the ball either. <laughs> I mean, if Jalen Mills bites on another double move, okay. I may lose my TV. Well, but but I I don't recall saying that you can't have another person in the secondary. Corey Clement said we don't need any more running backs. I disagree with Corey Clement. I okay. think they could use another running back, but yeah. I think the price has to be right. Okay, this is but not that, fantasy but, football but, where you say, I want somebody and I'm going to go get but them. But hold on. You, keep you adding, don't even like fantasy football. You keep adding conditions... Corey Clement did not say, don't go out and get another running. I, hold on. No, I no, believe no. facts are important hold to this story. On. Uh, uh, you're, uh, you're saying that Corey Clement, if, when, why, what? Th- that's not what happened I here. said I Corey, disagree with Corey, Corey Clement. Corey said we're all good. And I he said, didn't say we're all good in le- unless we can find something at the right price. I said I disagree with that. Okay. The follow-up to that is, no, then no, what would you it. do? It's over. I won. All right, counselor. <laughs> stop it with the one question and I'll answer it. This, okay. is, this is not, let's have a conversation. Uh-huh. So what would you give up? Would you give up a second for LaShawn McCoy? Yes. Why? Because you could You think he's the solution another. and he's going to be here? I think if you get LaShawn McCoy... And you get somebody in the secondary, 
then you are back to the being a potential Super Bowl contender. So that's two moves now, and you've mm-hmm. given up a second. What else are you going to give up now for the I second? I don't know. Guy? You got to tell me what you're going to offer me. You got to go get a secondary guy. All right, I can't. Who do you, make who, these. Who do you want out of the secondary? Uh, uh, we have any? We have a specific guy on the table for running back in Lashawn McCoy. Now the question is, what do you do in the secondary? Give me somebody, and I'll tell you whether I want. I, I, <laughs> I don't like you today, counselor. Not a fan. All right. So, what's your prediction? I think the Eagles are going to win the game, thirty-one twenty-four. Uh, I think they're going to play at home. I, I think that Carolina's not the same team on the road. The Eagles' mm-hmm. defense plays better at home. Uh, I think Wentz will play well against the. They have young cornerbacks that I think they're going to try and pick apart. They've got some players playing out of place on defense. Mm-hmm. A defensive line should do well against basically an injured offensive line. Are for you Carolina. worried about Jason Peters? I'm always worried about Jason Peters now. He hasn't gone through a full game without coming out since he's come back. The, I'm the, worried about him and Lane Johnson. They both have injuries. Yeah, but the Jason Peters, he's older, and he's got this bicep injury, and your arms are important as an offensive lineman. I don't understand how he can keep saying it's not going to impact him. I wouldn't be able to make a cup of soup if I had a torn bicep. <laughs> he's going to go out there and play football on Sunday for three hours. <laughs> like it just, it just to me, like they're going to have to give him something good for that pain, but that that's uh, a tough it really is. assignment. And, and regardless of, see, that's, that's the thing. People go, well, uh, he could take something for the pain, but that doesn't deal with the fact that of the lack of strength that you have from taking the muscle yeah you got to play against these big boys on the carolina Mm -hmm. defense and that's where they're strong is their line right so you know look i I have concerns that that carson Wentz continues to have people in his face and not have time to throw and has to move out there you know but i think we both agree by by sunday night they're going to be four and three i think so so they'll be in good shape they should be they should be in second place did you see the cowboys now terrence williams is out for three three games yeah so i mean that's and you know we'll see what washington and the giants are the Giants. The Giants. The Giants. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's just what it I, is. You know, Sa- Saquon made a statement today that uh, that I or yesterday that I found very interesting, Uh-oh. and I'm waiting to see whether or not there's going to be fallout from it. And it wasn't. It was a positive statement saying that Kyle Lawletta is is ready. Oh, the backup quarterback. Yes. So <laughs> so why make that statement? Uh, doesn't that? I mean, there's an implication to that, which is if you're saying the backup is ready. Does that mean you now think that the starting quarterback needs to step aside? I'm glad I'm not a Giants fan right now. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say. Though it was fun. I was up at uh, MetLife last weekend for the Jets game. I saw a kicker hit like a record seven field goals. Yeah. Interesting atmosphere at a Jets game <laughs> compared to an Eagles game. You and the kicker, so. It's a, it's a different. So so the Jets crowd, I've been to Jets games. Late so arriving. <laughs> late arriving, early leaving. <laughs> Late arriving. It's usually I turned not to a sold friend. Out. I was like, "Did they sell these seats?" I was going to say, "Was it sold out?" I think by it was pretty packed. Really? I mean, they were they were honoring the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl, so they you know <laughs> they had Joe Namath walking around and people were pretty They're excited. Honoring to see. the 50th anniversary, their last Super I Bowl. I said to a friend that I hope that in Philadelphia we don't end up having to do that where we go that long and have to honor the 50th anniversary or something. By then, the Jets will be celebrating their hundred. Oh God! Right? You're killing me. <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting, but it, you know I don't often go to games in other in other stadiums. Did, so. did, when you, when you closed your eyes to go to sleep that night, how many times did you hear J E T S? Oh Jets, my Jets, god, Jets in your so head. annoying! And they've got the stupid air horn that uh-huh. starts before the game. I, I prefer Fireman Ed is gone though. Right? I prefer to ring a bell. Didn't he retire? Didn't he? Say I think enough? he came out of retirement to start the season or something really? like that. Something like that. 
<laughs> uh, let's do a little Major League Baseball talk, Jeff. No. Um, last no, night was no, the no. last night was the first game in the uh, in this series that started after eight o'clock and ended before midnight. <laughs> are you staying up to watch all of the baseball that's being played? There's I some am. good games. Uh, they are good games. I mean, they're, they're long. They're games, not though. without controversy either. There hasn't been like a, I'll just tell a smooth you what. game that went. Major League Baseball has brought this on themselves, putting Joe West and Angel Hernandez out there for these games. <laughs> I, they have nobody to blame but themselves for picking these Joe, umpires. Joe, Joe West goes out of his way to find trouble. Though. Yes, all the time. That that uh, For people who didn't see it, there was a ball that clearly was past the plane of the fence that went past Mookie Betts' glove, and he reached back, and he didn't get the ball because of interference by a fan. I don't. The rule is is that a fan can't come into the field of play. So when Bartman did his poor poor Bartman, but when Bartman went it went to get the ball, he reached over into the field of play. Here, Betts was going into the stand. Betts was his arm was clearly back beyond the fence. It did in my mind didn't look like. I mean, they were been showing it like the Zapruder film, like it's the biggest thing that ever happened. It it's it's a home run. Even, I was surprised that they overturned that call. Um, and by the way, and, it was a Red Sox fan. And in the grand scheme, the Red Sox won, so people mm-hmm. won't talk about the curse that comes out because of it. But it could have been a significant momentum change in the series. I just don't understand how you go to review and still get that wrong. Uh, it's a whole point of doing the review. But I want to get to the National League series because all of a sudden now... I was hoping we'd run out of time. Manny Machado is like the devil in people's eyes. Oh, and they don't want him here now because of how he plays baseball. How well, did the opinion of Manny Machado change in one week? But well, now I'm all seeing, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm seeing all these videos now of things right. he did with the Orioles right. and things he did at other times. He threw and, a bat at a pitcher. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot about like, I'm that. hearing all these stories about why Manny Machado... the Orioles. Was, Nobody paid and, attention. And the story was he was running to first base and he sort of kicked the, the first baseman's back of his ankle and his leg. Yeah, and when he, he was asked, really hurt him. And when he was asked about it, he said... It's not my style to run hard the first base. No, and that was slide. a de- well, yeah, but that was he, what he was asked after the game, right? And then, but there was an, there were other plays in, in this series in the playoffs where that he, he has hasn't hustled. Spikes and he said, up, and, and, he, and he no, when he said that he's not Johnny Hustle. Yes. So how will that go over here in Philadelphia, Jeff? It's not going to go over well. Uh, that we I mean, are, if you're Philadelphia, don't management, we already have Oduble? If you're Philadelphia management, hearing that, do you rethink what you were thinking about Manny Machado? Because it seems like a lot of fans reevaluated well, immediately. Well, no, but I've told you, I didn't want him here as a shortstop. The, so to begin with, if he's if he's coming here as a shortstop, you get a below def, below par defensive shortstop who can hit. Okay, I don't want that for ten years because he's going to get a he's, he's we're talking about a three hundred million dollar contract. Which will be an albatross around your neck if he if he starts to pout. If this is this is one of the dumbest business moves I've ever seen. Yeah, of, he of cost a himself some money. Why would you? You are about to go out into free agency in a week and a half. I mean, we're talking by the end of this month, he's going to be handed a bunch of money in big bags if he wants it, and he can't, legally too. Right, and he and he can't just for a couple weeks not make comments like. I'm not Johnny Hustle. I'm not going to hustle. He's, I'm not going to run to first base. It's not my style. Yeah, it's not my style. Do you want that? I told you what I want. What, what I want, and I believe in. I believe they can do this. I don't know why, but I do. 
is that they should put all of their eggs in the Mike Trout basket. Yeah, you keep being on this. You're willing to trade basically anybody except for Nola and Hoskins yes. to get Mike Trout. I'd give them four four top prospects if they want to do that. Can I give them like Franco Herrera, like all the guys that? Well, you can. Nuts? You can. Do you think they'll take it? I I, I think that the I think Franco is a valuable. I, th- I piece. think you have to give six though in any deal that involves him, and I still don't know if the Angels get rid of Trout. Why? They stink. But he draws people to the park, and on a bad mm. team, people come to watch him. It's L.A. The Phillies people were in contention for a while, and nobody came because they didn't think there was somebody exciting. There, they they're were a the bad team. They're the second team in L.A. It, they're they're always going to be the second team in L.A. they got to have something that's a draw. No. What was it that in the series that you Can thought you I was going to bring up, by the way? You didn't huh? like that I went with Machado. The, on... the Craig Council nonsense. Okay. I, I don't believe so, that you should be bringing in a pitcher to, to walk the first batter to take our, him out of the our game. Our listeners may know that Jeff is slightly a baseball traditionalist, <laughs> and he is mourning the game of baseball going away the way he loved it being played. For those of you who didn't pay attention, um, Craig Council for Milwaukee had a starting pitcher come in for five pitches the mm-hmm. other day. And the reasoning he gave was he wanted them to have all their opposite hitters in the in the lineup Take any advantage you have and switch pitchers. Jeff, of course, lost his mind because he does not appreciate that managing strategy. Jeff, your take. I don't blame, just to be clear, I don't blame Craig Council. I blame baseball because they need to step in. Managers need to do whatever they can to win a game. If that's what they, if that's within the rules, which it is, he should be able to do it. I think that they need to find a way to stop all this shift. The the opener. Glad, you put, I, an, glad you put an F in there. It, huh? You said shift. Glad you put an F in there. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it, this, this is, the game is changing in a way that is not going to bring in fans. And that's what's concerning. It, the, the, the decisions that are being made are lengthening, not shortening the games. And the decisions that are being made are not something that a casual viewer is going to understand. The game is becoming more complicated. Less than and a minute that, left. Are you enjoying the playoffs? I enjoyed the American League playoffs. I'm not particularly enjoying the National League playoffs because I think this nonsense is... Will you keep watching? Yeah, because it's baseball. Because you're a baseball fan. Right. And is the traditionalist in you going to survive? I I shall live. Whether you my, were really depressed my before passion, the show, by the way. Whether my passion for baseball yeah. will continue is, is something, but it made it... You're optimistic, long. but you're like down about baseball. Because I'm... I, I just don't... I want the game to get better. I don't want it to get longer and more difficult. All right. Well, that's going to be the last word for this week. Thank you so much for joining us this week on The Heart of Sports. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week.